Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, oh great. Uh, what, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray day by day by day amen amen I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I pledge. Oh, no, I'm just joking with you guys. Good to see you, everybody. Welcome to Whitewater. Welcome to the fall. It's officially booming here in, uh, in Puyallup. And um, I don't know about you guys, but our, my kids were terrified of all the thunder last night. But it was, uh, it was beautiful at the same time. Um, if you're new to Whitewater, I just want you to know that this is a community that really, really tries to follow after Jesus. Um, and so we, we really want people to have a relationship with God. And it's, we don't want to create just forms of religion. We want to see relationship. Jesus himself taught that the greatest commandment, the highest um, standard of life and goal of life is to love God and to love others as yourself. And so I, I can really happily and with you know, all, the, um, all the history of our church, all the, the people that, are, that have been with us for years, um, I can just happily say that you can belong before you believe. So welcome, we're so glad you're here. Now, uh, have any of you guys ever felt like that when you go to pray? Any, uh, Nathan, maybe, dear Lord, baby Jesus, perhaps. He's, I think he's from Northern California, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, anybody ever struggle like, what do you say when you pray? Um, prayer is, uh, is really the language of love. And so our series that we're doing, that we're kicking off, is called Called to Compassion. 
and the first chapter of it is going to be 21 days of prayer. Sarah uh, showed you guys this, um, which is a, just basically, this is 21-day devotional. I want to invite you to join with us. You don't have to be a Christian. In fact, this is a place where people are like all over the spectrum on their spiritual journey with God. Some people are here because someone dragged them here or because they heard there was cider and they showed up and they thought maybe that's moonshine. Nope, it is cider. Um, and some people have, are new to faith. Some people have been following Christ for a long time. Um, but the beauty is that it's not so important where you're at. It's it's where you're headed. So I just want to ask you guys to join us over the next 21 days. Make sure if you didn't get one of these on your way in, grab it on your way out. Um, it's going to be awesome. Um, I'll just introduce myself just in case you're new and, and don't know me. My name is George, one of the pastors here. And I'm 36 years old and I have a family. Uh, this is them. Um, we like to go to the beach. Uh, we went to the beach this summer. Uh, that's my wife, Sarah. She was doing the announcements here earlier. That's my daughter, Novella. She's six years old. Um, and she scored three goals at her soccer game. Proud dad moment. She was, she was doing great. She loves it. Uh, and she's pretty tall for age. And she was destroying kids on her first practice. I was, she was just running kids over. And then she was blaming them. She was like, that kid ran into me. I was like, you destroyed that kid that was like that tall. If there's any of her friends that are here, you know she just like was destroying them. So I'm working on it with her. The, uh, the boy is my son, uh, Wes, and uh, he loves his blanket. We have to like take it from him and when he's asleep so we can go wash it. Um, but that's my family. Uh, here's, here's kind of another pic of us. You can see the little critter, Wesley. Um, we, we love being at that beach. And then um, my wife loves the outdoors, so we, uh, we like to go to the outdoors and we like to go camping because uh, my wife is a big camper. You can go to the next uh, one. And when we camp, we eat. You, know, you guys, you, you huddle around a table and eat a lot. We got the guacamole. My daughter usually takes up a third or a half of the photos because she likes to like sneak in. And then um, Wes is doing what he always does, which is going after the food. He doesn't care about the picture. So this is my family. My wife, though, she grew up like with legit uh, camping and backpacking. Her parents uh, were like the the cool REI parents before it was cool. They would like, and it was miserable if it, you know, like it was it was when it was miserable, but now it's cool. You guys know what I'm talking about, like, so. They would go uh, camping, and my kind of camping was like in a tent trailer, and it was pretty mild, but hers were like in these alpine lakes, and with these little tiny Coleman's, and like these special back backpacks and special sleeping bags, and uh, I, I wasn't used to that. Um, I did do it one time in high school. I'd never done it before. I'd never gone like alpine hiking, and uh, I went with a friend and a youth leader and his dad. So this this family who, who did that, their whole their whole like lives, they'd always gone up to these alpine lakes and camped and did all that stuff. They brought us up there. They said, "Hey, don't worry about it. We'll 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 take care of everything." Now, I'm just I'm going to spare you all the details, but I'm going to give you three things I remember from this trip. Okay, three things that George remembers. Um, when we went up, we hiked for so long and at such a steep incline, I was starving. By the time we got to the Alpine Lake and the sun was setting and we were tasked with going to catch fish while they boiled water. Did you know it takes longer to boil water the higher the elevation is? 
It was, it was like the Coleman wasn't working, the water wasn't boiling, we wanted macaroni, and then we're trying to catch these fish, and we finally caught them. I had these, we had these dull knives. We're trying to gut the fish, and me and my friend uh, from high school, uh, Ben, we had like fish guts all over our hands, and we were starving. Like We'd had some like uh, peanuts and raisins and like a granola bar, but like when you're burning that many calories, we were starving. We get there, the sun's about to set, the water's boiled, they've just put like the, the noodles in. We don't care. They're not even like fully boiled. And here's what I remember. I just, we just put our hands in with the fish guts and everything. We just started eating out of it. And it was scalded our hands. It scalded my mouth. I mean, chunks were falling. I mean, there's probably more details than you needed out of my mouth. But we didn't care. We just kept eating because we were starving. Second thing, it was, it was so cold. I, I shared a, like one of those tiny little Ikea tents with my friend Ben, and it was at the Alpine area. It was so cold that when I, when I woke in the morning, we were just in like this cuddle embrace. <laughs> like just looking at each other face to face with a little bit of our high school stubble like with uh, frost on it. The, th- the third thing I remember is when we, when we went down the mountain and we got to the car. And I was like, I was like finally, civilization. And we took our backpacks off. My backpack had worn like blisters and uh, into my shoulders and in my back. And uh, I, I, it was just, I was in pain. I just threw this, and it was heavy. I threw this thing and those, the guys had packed it for us. So I started going through it to get some things I needed. And all of a sudden I started taking out all these rocks. And my friend looked in his bag and he started pulling out these rocks. And we looked at each other and we looked at them and I, I was so like, exhausted that I, I, all I could do, I think I punched one of them, but I was so mad. My daughter, I told her this story. She's like, why would your friend put rocks in your bag? And I was like, because they're evil, Novella. Because <laughs> they're evil. But the reality is, many of us will come into a place like this carrying burdens and weights and stones that are weighing us down. And many of you have been carrying them so long, like you don't even know they're there, but, but you're, you've got the blisters, you've got like the, the sagging back to prove it, and people who love you can see it, but we'll walk in here weighed down, and the question I want to answer today, the simple question I want to answer is, how do we get unburdened from the, from the weights that are weighing us down? Does that sound good? So the answer, it's kind of a simple answer, is prayer. Some of you guys... I, I see your face and you're like, prayer. I could have, I could have stayed home. And um, <laughs> prayer, like, how is this going to really help me? Um, it, 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 people's understanding of prayer varies. Some people, like, they're like, I don't really pray unless there's a terrible situation, like I throw up a Hail Mary. Like, God, if you just get me out of this, I will always give to you. I will always go to church and I will take whatever guilt you want to put on me. And they'll throw up that kind of a prayer or, or, the, or the, the kind of the deal prayer. Like, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this. Um, many times we pray silently in our, in our minds. Like our worries are a type of prayer. Um, our thought life uh, often can be kind of forms of prayer. But, but Christian prayers, when we direct those, our thought life and our asks, and we direct it to God, and we invite him into the situation. So what I wanted to do for just a brief moment was give you guys just like two minutes. Uh, it's kind of a cool day being fall launched. We're launching all our ministries. It's just awesome to get back in the swing. But what I wanted to do, give you an opportunity to maybe talk to someone you didn't know, um, and, uh, and just kind of discuss something about prayer. It's very simple. Um, I want you to, to share with someone maybe you don't know, what's your deepest, darkest confession <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. There, there was one person that was like, 
I need to go to the coffee and then straight out. Um, get to the car. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, two questions. They're really simple. Uh, I think they'll have them on the screen. But uh, what is difficult about prayer for you? And you might not even be a Christian. So what's difficult about the idea of prayer for you? And then the other question is, what's compelling about prayer for you? What, what, what is compelling about the idea of prayer for you? Ready? Go. Meet somebody and talk to them. So... What's, what's, difficult, what's difficult about prayer? What did we learn? What's difficult about prayer or the idea of prayer? Nothing? You guys are awesome. At, you lo- right here. Uh, distractions. Distractions. How many of you guys have distractions in your life that seem to pull you in no matter what? Yeah. Distractions. Right here. Oh. Over and over again. I hope it's a loved one because I bet they would appreciate that. But yeah, but like growing, how do I learn to like, how do I grow my prayer life? That's, that's big. What else? Yeah. Um, I was talking to my son this morning about it just randomly. And he's, I asked him if he, you know, do you pray to God? And he says, yeah. I said, what's the hard part about praying to God? He goes, praying for what I want and praying for what I need. And knowing the difference. Praying for what I want and praying for what I need and knowing the difference. You have a wise child. Yeah, yeah. Josh, you probably taught him that, right? That was yeah, his wise father. Well, we got time for one more maybe. What, what do we have? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. There can be like social anxiety to say, I'll pray for you. Have you ever had that anxiety? Like, should I ask to pray for them? I know they're in pain. I know that I probably should. But like there's social anxiety or to ask for prayer. Like, I don't want to put anybody out. I don't want to seem selfish. There was one other hand that went up. Yeah. Yeah, that gets at something really important. You know, what is prayer? It's it's most base or most basic reality. Prayer, we teach this um, at the heart of all of our teaching about prayer is this reality that, that prayer isn't just talking at God. Prayer is what? Talking with. And that's a conversation. And what does that look like? How do we learn to do that? What, what's compelling to you about prayer? The second part of that question What's compelling about prayer? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, right here. Um, I move around a lot, um, and so I don't get to see my, my friends or my family as much as I would like to, and having him as a constant to talk to is really great. Yeah. Like, you, you, if you can talk to God anytime, anywhere, any place, you're never alone. You're never alone. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, when prayer is answered, that's usually pretty cool, right? That, I'd say, you know, that's a benefit. We'll chalk that in the benefit bucket, definitely, right here. Yeah, and I'd say God's timing, too, when you pray. God's timing. That's what's compelling and tough sometimes. <laughs> it's compelling and tough. So it falls in both categories. Like, God's timing isn't always what we want, but God's, what was Gandalf saying? A, a wizard never shows up early or late, but precisely when he means to. Um, it's like, oh, come on, God, I want you now. Um, but when he does show up, it's, all, it's, it's always best. Anything else? Right here. I, I found that in my prayer, like you said, it's best. Um, 
that what he said was God becomes a reliable friendship. That God is always faithful, he's always there, and he's there to love you. Um, I think that's so important. When I think about prayer, sometimes people get kind of scared or they're like, well, how do I pray? How do I grow in prayer? And, you know, uh, it can seem kind of daunting to pray. Um, last week, Michael kicked, kicked off prayer and really was kind of demystifying that. And I'd encourage you to look at that sermon if you want to, like, dig into some of the basics of prayer. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with one thing about prayer, and then we'll jump into the meat of our sermon. But the um, prayer at its, at its base is the language of love. It's the language of love. It's a language. Um, my son is learning the language of English right now. He's two. Um, and so some words he says really, really well, like mama or dada or Aunt Katie. He says that really good, Aunt Katie. Or his favorite animal, turtle. Not turtle. I say turtle. He says turtle. He's got, he's got these little turtles. He just loves them. But there's some words that he struggles with, like uh, he'll might, if, if, if you ever see him and he's here, he'll often, he'll often be seen saying, I want knack. I want knack. Do you know what that means? Snack. Some of you guys are like feeling it right now. You're like, yeah, snack is not far away. Right after the service, you can grab pie. It's going to be amazing. Um, or, or he'll say, mank. I want mank. Do you guys know what mank is? It's blanket. Here's the weird thing, though. I'm, he can say blanket. Why say blanket? Blanket, what do you want? Mank. <laughs> His blanket has a name. I want mank. He will not be denied mank. He needs it. He craves it. Um, but there's even times when I'm with him where I can just tell by his expression, like, he doesn't have to know language, and he, he'll even try sometimes to speak. He'll be like, abada, abada, ibada, mama, and I'll be like, what did mama say to you? Abada, abada. I was like, oh, man, she should apologize. Abada, abada. She doesn't apologize to me either. I get it. And, you know, we'll have, like, these conversations between me and Wes. I don't really, but there's times where I can just read because I'm with him. Do you know that most communication is nonverbal? And I can just read. He's like two years old, and I can read him by his face, his posture. We were on vacation, and um, we were at this lake, and I was like, Wes, there's a bald eagle. And this bald eagle just like landed out of the sky. It was like this spiritual moment, ah, and just like landed in the, you know, by this lake. And I could see his face. I was like, it's a bald eagle. And he can understand. And I could tell by his face. This is what he was saying. He said, uh, that is not a bald eagle, Dad. That is a brown eagle with a white head. The bald eagle would look very different, Dad. It would look like you <laughs> with a beak. But I, I can understand. And here's the thing. If he doesn't say a word right or he doesn't even need to say a word, I just need to kind of pay attention to him and his needs. Like, I'm not angry about it. I love it because I love my son. And he's learning to speak. Prayer and the practice of prayer is never going to be perfect. No one has it fully down. And it's not about perfection. It's about the relationship. Remember, Jesus said to love God and love people as, as yourself. And so prayer is about learning this language of love. God wants to hear from you. He wants to be with you. And, and he doesn't care if it's not perfect and it's not the right thing. He will get it. And he will love being with you. Amen? So the practice of prayer is really important. The practice I want to talk specifically about is the practice of confessional prayer. Just got really quiet in here. Ooh, that sounds really serious. Like any cops in here are like, I love confessions. They're my favorite. 
some people when they think of confessional prayer, they think of like going to the priest and confessing all these things to the priest. Um, some people, when they think of confessional prayer, it's like I say something embarrassing so that somebody can use it against me at some uh, future date that uh, I don't know about, but I'm afraid they're going to use against me. So when they think of confession, many times people are kind of scared of it. A biblical definition is totally different than the way um, most of the world thinks about, about confessional prayer. Um, Many times people will get afraid of like, like God's, like this angry God that we have to confess so that he can like smite us and punish us and then we can like somehow be worthy of him. Like, like check out this clip real quick. Kid, I want you to spill your guts, tell us everything. 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 Okay, I'll stop. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my uncle back to fail and glued on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I had not played the Serenity down the stairs and I blamed it on the time. My mom said he from the 80s wondering why people are laughing <laughs> he survives and he has both hands um, and I'm a child of the 80s I had to find a way to get the Goonies in there somehow some people look at confession like that like there's this God who's super angry and I have to confess but a bit I want to have a under a biblical understanding of a confessional prayer so if you if you have a Bible you can turn there you can follow up on the screen behind me and uh, we're going to read through a uh, part of Psalm 32. It's a confessional prayer. And the Psalms have like these, their songs and their prayers that are really thousands of years old that have been changing people's lives, transforming people for thousands of years. And one of the most amazing things about the Bible is that it has wisdom of the ages and God's wisdom for us if if we're willing to listen. So in Psalm 32, it says this in verse 1, Oh, what joy... For those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. How many guys would like to have the record cleared of any guilt? Right? Amen. And get this, it says, yes, what joy for those whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Complete honesty. Okay, this is the key to confessional prayer. Confession starts with living honestly before God, others, and ourselves. You guys remember the great commandment Jesus said to love God and others as yourself. I was talking with a friend about this. 
this idea this week, that, that that's the essence of it. If it's about loving God, others, and ourselves, confession is learning to live honestly before God, others, and ourself. Now, many people walk with themselves through life. Many people walk with others. Some people walk with God, but not many walk honestly with all three. Are you with me? It is hard to be honest with ourselves, if we're honest. If we look in the mirror, we're like, not just what we want to see, but who we really are. And I had a, I had a friend uh, who said, he didn't change, change didn't happen in my life until I came clean. Until I was honest about who I really was and the toxic things I had really done. If, you're, if you have your Bible in that verse two, circle complete honesty. Confession starts living honestly. And this is why confession is important between people and God. It's important between people and God, not, not to leverage, give somebody a, a truth about yourselves that they can leverage against you. And when, you, when, when you're talking about deep things of the heart, I'm not talking about with just anybody, but trustworthy people. Trustworthy people. We know God is good and trustworthy, but when we're, when we're honest with others and we're honest with who we really are, the worst of us, you do want to make sure that those are trustworthy people. Now, how do we live honestly before God, others, and ourselves? Um, I, I think it's by, by having honest self-assessment. There's this prayer I want to give you if we jumped to Psalm 139. It's just one little part of this old psalm, this old prayer, but it's all about honesty and confession. Check this out. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. It says this, search me, God. Like it just says, God, look at my life. Look at who I am. It says, and know my heart. Do you guys know the Hebrew word for heart? The Hebrew word for heart is really, it's, it's bigger than the way we think about it. The heart um, in Hebrew is the imagination. It's the intellect. It's the emotions. And often we kind of separate those. The intellect's in the mind and the head and then the heart is the emotions. In Hebrew, they're together, and it's the—it's the place of decision. It's what you—it's your desires as well. And so, when you pray a prayer like this, you're—you're you're, you're opening up your whole being to God, and you're saying, "God, search me, know me, test me, and know my concerns, my worries, my anxieties." Do you know that worry and anxiety are forms of meditation? It's just meditating on the negative and things that we have almost zero control of. But when we, when we learn to pray and meditate um, the Jesus way, we actually are turning those things to Jesus. We're turning those, those, that negative way of thinking and meditating to God. Now, see if there's any of offensive way in me, it says in verse 24, any way that I'm off, lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me in the everlasting way. I'd encourage you, if, if you're wanting to live honestly before others, to take this prayer and begin praying it. If you, if you um, kind of join us for this 21 days of prayer and grab this booklet, it's free. Like, we just want us to grow in prayer as a community. Whether you believe in God or not, you can, you can join. Um, it, it actually has this prayer and some others that will help you just simply grow in that honesty. Now, and if we jump back into Psalm 32, it says in verse 3, when I refused to confess my sin. 
when I refused to confess my sin, when I refused to be honest about me. It says, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. I mean, this is ancient um, writing, but this is, this is diagnosis of the human being. How many of you guys, when you are, have anxiety, worry, and regret, like, like you, your, your core being is wasting away? Like you don't feel right. You don't feel right with others. There's, and I, I think it's so true. It says day and night. So not just in the day are you worried, but how many of you guys, if you're anything like me, like some of the worries you can kind of repress for a while. It's easy to do repression rather than confession. Like I just want to stuff. Let's just repress it, not confess it. And then at night, all of these things from my heart start making their way into my brain. I'm like worried about this, I'm worried about that, and I'm worried about this. And I can't sleep, and it makes me more anxious because I'm worried about what I'm worried about. And then I start worrying about what I'm worrying about that I'm worrying about. Anybody else like this, or am I just being neurotic? Maybe I'm the only one. Day and night, and it, it, we just, it starts to crush us. And in that, in that um, story with my friends, when we looked in our, our, our bag, and we actually looked at it, like looked in the bag, I saw there were these rocks that I was totally unaware of. These jerks put that in there. And in life, religion can put these rocks in, our, in the bag. Uh, friends can put this in the bag. And we can put rocks in the bag, can we not? Like... Sometimes the rocks that we put in, like they, they'll kind of seem insignificant at first. Like maybe, um, maybe just like a little bit of bitterness, like a little bit of resent, resentment toward uh, a friend or family member, and we just kind of put it in the bag. It's not that heavy. It's not that big. I can I can handle that weight because I'm kind of mad at them, right? Sometimes it feels good to be mad and bitter at somebody. Maybe some of you won't admit that, but. And sometimes it's other things, like maybe just a little bit of deception, lying, not being totally true. We put that in the bag. We can handle it. Um, And maybe like some of us have been hurt by others. And it's like, no, it's not a small rock. Over time or in major moments, it's a big rock in your life. Are you with me? And the bag just keeps getting heavier and heavier. I mean, sometimes it will move from things like gossip and slander, which can be mid-sized rocks that we can kind of manage and handle. And then you, then all of a sudden you'll you'll have another big one that some people might like all of a sudden grip a, grip a hold of them, and it's addiction. You know, addiction can get in and just grab a hold of our hearts, and it's like this this like um, old-fashioned terms like a besetting sin. Um, it means habitual sin. We can't get loose of it, so it, it gets a hold of us. And then, and then some of us, when we're trying to figure that out and we're carrying that weight, we're, we'll relapse, and that makes us feel even worse, like, like we have even more weight on us because I've tried, and I'm trying to escape this. I'm trying to get out from under these, the weight of this, and we can't do it. Um, and, and there's even people that will put rocks of, um, that begin destroying like, their relationships, like unfaithfulness. Infidelity. Um, pretty soon, we got this bag full. Man, this is actually pretty heavy. <laughs> we got this bag that we're carrying around in our life. We've got this weight on us, spiritually. 
and the, the rocks could be sins, they could be sins from other people, our own, and sin is any kind of toxic behavior, any toxic thought, any toxic word that comes from us. The Bible really teaches us it's like unhealthy, toxic, non-God-like behavior. And, um, and it starts weighing us down, right? And as we're going through life, here's what we do, or at least here's what I've noticed that I and others can do, is that we start to like manage our sin. Like, no, it's not too bad. Tell the people, no, it's good. And we start to manage our image. No, like, there's no rocks. There's no problem. I, I have a handle on it. It's not really a problem. It's not an issue. And so we, we go to this, like, image management and maintenance and this sin management and maintenance. And we'll spend more energy and time pretending like there's not an issue than just acknowledging and being honest that there's an issue and we're getting crushed and we're like here's the thing when we have weight in our on our bag we start putting that same weight in somebody else's and oftentimes it's not like this equal i take this rock out of my bag and i put it into yours and i don't have it no what happens is it like multiplies the weight of pain and sin doesn't it hurt people hurting people and the weight the blisters is the guilt and the shame and the regret and the anxiety, is it not? Let me ask you this. Do young people or old people pick up rocks spiritually? Both, right? Do people who believe in Jesus or do people who don't believe in Jesus pick up rocks spiritually? We all do. This is not like an us versus them problem, friends. This is an us problem. So let me ask you, um, what rocks have you been carrying? What rocks have been put in the pack by others, by yourself, by an institution? See, healing, it doesn't, the, the healing process, it doesn't matter how it got there. Only you can let it go. You have to decide what you're going to do with, do with this. And sometimes it's totally not fair. That's the, that's the hard thing. Like, sometimes it's, like, completely not fair, and it's awful, and you, have to, you still have to be the one who, like, figures out how to deal with this weight in your life. Are you with me? Verse 5, it says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I stopped trying to, like, manage my image. I stopped trying to uh, maintain my sin, And I just confessed it. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion, my waywardness, my running away from the Lord. And you, listen to this, it says, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. As confession starts with honesty with yourself, with others, and with God. And it's that looking in the bag, what do we got in here? And confession, it's like, there's moments of confession that like, oh, this is an amazing moment. But there's also a life of confession because you can say, okay, God, this thing that happened to me or this thing that I'm addicted to or this thing that I'm struggling with, this is a problem. And you lay it on the table and you gain freedom. But a life of confession, realize, oh man, there's probably still some more in the bag. And a life of confession is, all, is learning to lay these things at the foot of Jesus giving these things to God, this weight that you and I weren't meant to carry. Confession is simply letting, 
it go. Just letting it go. Giving it to the Lord. There's this um, amazing verse in 1 John um, 1 verse 9. If we pull it up here, um, I'll read it with you guys. But if we confess our sins to him, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If you have your Bible, like circle faithful and circle forgive and circle cleanse. Like, this is so important. Confession leads us to forgiveness and freedom. And the reason God sent his son Jesus on the cross for you and me was so that like when we're carrying this stuff, like when we confess it and we let it go, we give this to Jesus and Jesus on the cross took this bag, took the weight, all the weight of sin that you and I weren't designed to carry, we're not able to carry, and he put it on himself and he carried it away so that we could become free. Amen? Isn't that incredible? But it's by confessing it, dropping it, letting it go, being honest. That's where the freedom comes. And when you confess, it's that simple. Like, Owning it, God, I did this, or God, I'm struggling with this. Would you take it? It's not running from it. It's acknowledging. It's being honest. Uh, like, um, like my daughter, when she um, when she's struggling with things, like Dad, you're right. That's probably her. <laughs> Dad, I I was reading last night when I was supposed to be asleep. I mean, I was really upset that she was learning. <laughs> it can be something that that benign, that small. Or something like someone saying, you know what, I'm addicted to this. I have a problem. Or um, f- friends that I've, I've known through life, I was, I was unfaithful. And, it, and it, like confession will lead to forgiveness and freedom, but it is a process sometimes. And sometimes someone's confessing to us and we have to work through forgiving them, let alone somebody forgiving us, right? Would you watch this video about confession, honesty, and transformation? Well, my name is Ty, and I'm an alcoholic. I was brought up in a home where both of my parents were pretty hardcore alcoholics. It was a scary, scary situation for kids to be brought up in, and I told myself that was not going to be my life. I was drinking on a nightly basis, running life on self-propulsion. It turned away from God trying to control everything, you know, raising teenagers and dealing with the stresses of being a business owner. And and I was self-medicating on a nightly basis and slowly dying inside. I was checking out. We'd been married 16 years. Uh, Discussion after discussion, promise after promise, I was like, I just, I didn't trust anymore that it was going to get better. I didn't trust at all. Finally, I couldn't do it anymore. Finally, she said, I've had enough. I want a separation. And it brought me to my knees. I felt like, in a way, it was going to be my fault if our family broke up. I didn't want to do that to my kids. I didn't want that for myself or for my husband. I really thought, this is the end of our relationship. I was 
under two weeks sober and living with my parents and told my dad, hey, I'm going to church tomorrow. And he's like, can I come? And I'm like, sure. So we headed down the hill to Whitewater and I went walking up to the front door and I, I knew immediately that God had placed me there. The message that day was leave it in Egypt. And I had the opportunity at the end of the service to leave my hurts, habits, and hangups at the cross. And I was the first one up there. I mean, God just rolled out the red carpet for me. I called up my wife after that and I was super excited. And she wasn't so much. He had found Whitewater and I'm like, okay, you go to Whitewater. That's good, you have fun and I hope this works for you. And I didn't, I wasn't doing anything myself. So I'm not getting better. Taylor's like, if you don't start going to church and if you don't start talking to God, you're never gonna be able to forgive him. It's my 21-year-old daughter acting as the parent, and I had to look at her and tell her thank you because she was 100% right, and that's what we needed to do. We had to get back to church. When I look back on it, we had two kids in sports. There was a lot of Sunday stuff going on, a lot of Saturday stuff going on, so we, we weren't putting church and God first. We were the kids' activities were first, and so we were busy, and it was too much. It was too much. I've never been to a church that felt like whitewater. It, it, was, it was like coming home. The, the classes that we've been able to take, the leadership classes and journey classes, we've been through them all. We'll go through them again. It's just tools for navigating relationships in everyday life that it's that's must-have stuff. Relationship-wise, we've never been in a better place. God has pretty much completely relieved me of my temptation to drink. But I know that alcohol is very patient and I have to continue on a daily basis to do what I need to do to stay sober for the rest of my life, and that's to stay engaged in my program of recovery, engaged in healthy relationships, engaged in the church, serving others instead of serving myself is vital. I just want you to know how proud I am of you for doing the right thing and saving us. You saved me. I love you. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness, all the weights that we bring into the room, everything we got in this bag. Would you welcome my friends Ty and Trish to the stage for a moment? Come on up here.
Um, these are my friends. These are our friends. And um, they actually uh, came back early to, for two Sundays so that we could share this video. Um, so they came back early from their vacation um, so they could be here. And the invitation is to transformation. It's to honesty. It's to honest, be honest with yourself and with your friends and the people in your life and with God. And um, I want to thank you guys for sharing your story um, so we can see how God can work through you and, and how he can work through me, through you. So here's um, the invitation. Uh, they came to be part of, of seeing you lay down what you're carrying and putting it at the foot of the cross, giving it to the Lord, being honest, confessing, and becoming forgiven and free. Amen? Is there anybody in here that's carrying some weight that they need to let go? I want to invite you to pray a prayer of honesty and confession today. doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for years or you don't know Jesus and you just walked in the building because you saw some apples being crushed and you're like, that's awesome. Would you stand with me and pray a prayer of faith together? This is the moment where you can, you can lay at the foot of the cross the rocks that have been weighing you down. What have you brought into this room that you don't have to walk out with? You can walk in here one way and you can walk out free. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, you are so good and compassionate. Would you pray this prayer with me if this is you? I confess that I am not God and that I need you in my life. I confess my brokenness and sin to you. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse my heart? Please take the burdens I have been carrying and set me free. I give my life to you the best I know how. Amen. If you can keep your head down just for a second, if you were praying, would you just look up at me if you decided to let go of some rocks in your life? Would you just look at me this morning? I see you. Praise God. Bless you. Just look at me so I can see the freedom and forgiveness in this place. Bless you. Uh, go ahead and raise your eyes. and Let's clap for those who have freedom today. I want you to sing. The, the, the next few songs are incredible that Mike's put together. But if you need prayer for anything, Ty and, and Trish are going to be in the back. I'll be back there. If you've been affected by addiction or struggled with that, there are family that are here because they want to pray with you. If there's any other need for prayer, I'm going to be in the back. And let's sing these songs with all our hearts. And I want to invite you, not, don't just let this be a moment. Let this become a lifestyle of honesty and confession before yourself, others, and God. Let's, uh, let's sing together.